Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello Texas, so glad you've taken time to join us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Well, the cotton crop this year looks great. It looks really good here in Texas. It looks great all across the cotton belt. USDA's latest cotton crop condition ratings are almost at a record. Back in 1987, we had 75% of the cotton crop rated good to excellent. This year, we're looking at 71%, so it is definitely a historically good-looking crop, and it's a welcome change from recent crops. We'll have more on that story to kick off today's show. Plus, you've probably seen the stories out there of people using ivermectin to treat COVID-19. So does it work? Well, I don't know. No one really knows. But I do know this. The FDA is asking people to stop using it. We'll have more on that story coming up in just a bit. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Corn harvest is now underway in the Texas High Plains, with farmers responding to a high demand for silage. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Applications are being received by USDA for the Organic Certification Cost Share Program. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. One of the first considerations when purchasing hay is that it should be based on animal requirements. We will discuss the importance of a forage analysis for feeding hay. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The condition of the 2021 cotton crop just keeps on improving. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says the latest crop ratings report shows a remarkably good cotton crop across the nation. That is now 71% good to excellent. That's up four points from last week. 6% very poor to poor, a very minor one point increase from last week. And compare that to last year's crop, which was just 46% good to excellent, 25% very poor to poor on this date. Here in Texas, 22% of our crop is rated excellent, 48% good, 23% fair, and only 6% rated poor to very poor. That same report also shows the Texas sorghum harvest now halfway done at 55% harvested, Corn harvest now a third done, with 35% of the Texas corn crop out of the field. Ivermectin has been a popular cattle and horse parasite treatment for decades now, but some humans are using the product to treat COVID-19 infections, and they're being asked to stop. Jessica Dommel has the story. The Food and Drug Administration is asking Americans to stop taking livestock drugs to treat or prevent COVID-19. Over the weekend, the FDA posted on Twitter, You are not a horse. You are not a cow. Seriously, y'all, stop it. Along with a link to additional information on the parasiticide ivermectin. Ivermectin is used to treat parasites or worms in livestock. 
and it has some applications for treating lice and skin conditions in humans. The FDA warns that some people have started taking it to treat or prevent COVID-19, despite the fact that the drug is not approved for it. There are some clinical trials underway, though. The agency says taking large doses of the drug is dangerous and can cause serious harm. On Friday, the Mississippi Poison Control Center issued an alert because they've seen a rising number of reports of people taking ivermectin. They say that 85% of the people who called in were seeing mild symptoms of ivermectin toxicity. Some of the symptoms associated with ivermectin toxicity include nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, low blood pressure, allergic reactions, dizziness, problem with balance, seizures, coma, and even death. The FDA warns it can also interact with other medications like blood thinners. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The House is back in session in Washington, and that opens the door to move disaster aid legislation for farmers. Before the August recess, the House Agriculture Committee approved an upgrade to the WHIP Plus disaster program, which included aid for many of the drought, flood, and freeze damages we've experienced here in Texas over the past year. Farmers have had a lot of challenges over the last few years. You know, with some of the tariffs that, that uh, you know, really hurt them early on uh, and then immediately followed by everything that happened with COVID and years prior to that, uh, that had some of this disaster uh, related stuff that had also, you know, really impacted their bottom line. So we're hoping that uh, that the years to come are, are much better for uh, farmers and ranchers, especially in the uh, Texas Panhandle in North Texas. That's Texas Panhandle Congressman Ronnie Jackson. He says the disaster aid has a good chance of making it through the legislative process. Absolutely. I think if it makes it out of the House, if it gets out of the floor of the House, it, you know, it'll make it to the president's desk and get signed. I don't see any reason why it wouldn't. Corn harvest is now underway on the Texas High Plains, and James Hunt tells us there's a high demand for corn silage this year. When it comes to the portion of the crop that will be used to provide grain, harvest in our area won't begin for about another three or four weeks. But the harvest of corn for silage purposes is now underway. And David Gibson of Texas Corn Producers says coming out of last year's drought, the demand for silage has been high. We were real short on forage, uh, whether it be for the dairies, feedlots, or cow-calf producers. And I know a lot of folks had chances to do some good contracts on silage back early, get a good price locked in, actual better price off of the futures than where we're at today. Gibson says largely due to the expansion of the dairy industry in our region, the portion of the local corn crop going to silage is much bigger than it was just a few years ago. Out of our 650, 700,000 acres of corn here on the high plains, we might would harvest 60,000 acres. This year, I expect we're going to be harvesting about probably 20% of our crop, which would be 100, 120,000 acres. So it's uh, been a significant jump uh, going to silage. Gibson says what he's hearing from farmers is that strong yields on their silage are expected as area corn has benefited from good growing conditions, especially the rains and relatively cool weather that occurred when the crop was making its way through pollination and other key development stages in July. On the economic side, Gibson says producers should see positive returns on this year's crop, but going forward, he says it will be essential for corn prices to stay strong because input costs, such as the price of fuel and steel, are going up. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Applications are now open for organic certification cost-sharing. Tom Nicoletti has the story. Organic farmers and handlers can now apply for U.S. Department of Agriculture funds to assist with the cost of receiving or maintaining organic certification. 
We get more in this report from Gary Crawford in Washington. Ag producers who are either trying to get USDA organic certification or to stay certified do have expenses other conventional growers don't have, including application and inspection fees, travel expenses for inspectors, and other organic certification costs. Those expenses can actually deter some producers from getting organic certification. That's why USDA has a program that would help those who want to be organically certified by helping them cover a few of those expenses. Latrice Hill with USDA's Farm Service Agency says producers who incurred some of those expenses during this fiscal year, which ends September 30th, can apply for the cost share program from now until November 1st. And if everything checks out, they would be reimbursed for up to 50 percent of the operation's allowable cost or a maximum of $500. For more information on this program, go online to usda.gov forward slash organic. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. The reimbursement covers crops, wild crops, livestock, processing and handling, and state organic program fees. Organic farmers and ranchers may apply through a Farm Service Agency county office or a participating state agency. This funding will be complemented by an additional $20 million for organic and transitioning producers through the Pandemic Assistance for Producers Initiative. More information will be available in the coming weeks. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. One of the first considerations when buying hay is that it should be based on animal requirements. Forage specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson says that requires a forage test to know what you're buying. For optimal production, forage quality should be matched as closely as possible to the nutritional needs of the animal. Low-quality forage can result in reduced animal performance and increased supplemental feeding costs. Whereas hay of sufficient quality, little or no supplementation will be necessary to meet the animal's nutritional needs. Keep in mind that not all forage or hay is created equal. There is great variation between forages and nutrient content can vary dramatically even within a particular type of forage. Several factors influence hay quality, such as maturity or time of harvesting, forage species and variety, fertilization, temperature, leaf to stem ratio, and weather at harvesting and baling. Regardless if you are buying hay or feeding the hay you raise, it is a good idea to test the hay to determine what, if any, supplementation will be needed when the hay is fed. When collecting samples, a good practice is to sample approximately 10% of the bales from a particular cutting or load using a hay probe. Oftentimes, a hay probe can be borrowed from your county extension office. Samples should be taken from bales that would represent the hay from the entire field. If you haven't done so already, now is the time to get a nutrient analysis of all available hay and forage, sort your cattle based on their nutrient requirements, properly match available forage and hay to the different groups of cattle, and make sure their nutrient requirements are being met. Feeding cattle is never cheap, but producers with information about what they are feeding can be more efficient. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson reporting from East Texas with Texas Ag Today. Time is running out to win one of several once-in-a-lifetime hunts from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And small ruminants like sheep and goats have a serious problem with internal parasites. Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. 
So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Small ruminants like sheep and goats have a serious problem with internal parasites. But Dr. Bob Judd says there are some management techniques you can use to treat them. Dr. Lionel Dawson from Oklahoma State indicates the barber pole worm is the primary concern for all sheep and goats. These intestinal parasites cause significant economic losses and are listed in the top three fatal condition of sheep and goats. This parasite is difficult to control because it undergoes a process called hypobiosis in unfavorable weather conditions and then becomes active when the weather conditions improve. The infective larvae on the pasture can survive up to four months depending on the time of year and resistance has been shown to all of the classes of dewormers to some degree. Resistance occurs when there is less than a 95% reduction in parasite eggs counted in the feces 14 days after deworming. Resistance is related to using too low of a dose of dewormer, using dewormers too frequently, and rotating dewormers too frequently. It is recommended to use a FAMACHA score when determining which animals to deworm, and this has to do with the color of their mucous membranes around their eyes. For more information, you can Google FAMACHA score, and that is F-A-M-A-C-H-A. Basically, you deworm the animals that have less red color in their contractile membranes and skip those that have dark to bright red mucous membrane color. This allows some susceptible worms to remain in the animals to compete with the resistant ones. Because goats have more dewormer resistance than sheep, some veterinarians recommend combining two to three classes of different deworming medications to increase the effectiveness. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Time is running out to win one of several once-in-a-lifetime hunts from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department will soon cut off entries for nine of the hunts that are included in this year's Drawn Hunts program. The deadline to enter the e-postcard archery deer, dove, squirrel, and teal hunts the NWR Archery Deer and Upland Game Hunts, the Private Lands Antlerless Deer or Spike Hunt, and the Private Land Deer and Youth Only Gun Deer Hunts is September 1st. Kelly Edmiston, TPWD Public Hunting Program Coordinator, says hunters may enter the drawings for more than 9,500 hunts on the TPWD website. We have an online catalog that allows folks to browse these hunts by the category. We also have an interactive map. So if you are just interested in browsing a different part of the state, we have them listed that way. The application process is fairly easy. There's actually an instructional video right there on our Drawn Hunt landing page. You need a customer number, which if you have ever hunted or fished in the state of Texas, you have a customer number with us. It's that 12-digit number that is on your hunting or fishing license. We can even show you where that is. You find your in the system with your last name, your date of birth, and your customer number, and you are ready to go. 
And you can start picking those areas that you wish to apply for. The application fee for adults in most of our hunts is $3 to apply. Some of the private lands hunts or guided hunts on wildlife management areas can be $10 to apply. Youth are free. Minimum age for most youth to apply is eight. Hunts are drawn on the 1st and 15th of September and October and on November 1st. Again, you can enter on the TPWD website, click on the hunting tab, and then the Drawn Hunts link. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a mostly lower trade in the cattle markets on Wednesday, but we did move higher on both cotton and corn. We'll take a closer look at all of Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As harvest begins, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to be diligent in taking the proper precautions to ensure treated seed does not enter the domestic or export grain supply. When properly handled, seed treatments are an effective agronomic tool that provides seeds the necessary protection for a strong, healthy start. Completely remove all treated seed left in containers and equipment used to handle harvested grain and dispose of it properly. Always be careful to follow state and federal guidelines for proper handling, storage, and disposal of treated seed. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market moved mostly lower on Wednesday. August live cattle dropping $1.37, $124.42. The October down $1.40 at $130.30. December live cattle down $1.12, $136.27. Feeder cattle finishing lower on all except the lightly traded August contract. It was up $0.72, cents, $159.30. The September down 62 at 165.15. October feeder cattle down 95, 169.27. Cash fed cattle trade still slow here at midweek. No sales to report here in the Southern Plains. We did see the online fed cattle exchange on Wednesday. They sold 578 head of Texas cattle. Big range on the price, 118 to 122. So that's steady at best with the last week. If you look up north, however, we are seeing some sales this week. Nebraska feedlots reporting cattle sold at 130 on a live basis, 207 to 208 dressed. Box beef was lower Wednesday. Choice down seven cents, 347.51. Select down a dollar 48 at 315.42. Now let's check the auction barn. So we're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Madison Bexley and crew. Own and operate Lockhart Livestock. Maddie, how was the sale Thursday? We ended up having a good day. We had 14-16 with 295 cows and 32 bulls, 182 sellers, and 96 buyers, which is the most we've ever had. That's great. Let's walk the pins. Yeah, on the stocker cows, uh, we had several good sets of cows, and the market was uh, really active. The good pairs would have brought from 12 to 1,700. Mediocre and middle-aged from 850 to 1150. The longhorn corny and the planer in from 650 to 800. The good bred cows and heifers from 900 to 1475 mediocre middle-aged and shortbreads from 6 to 875 the longhorn and the planer and the cows from 350 to 575 packer cows and bulls would have been about steady with a week ago the good high yielding cows from 68 to 78 the medium yielding from 60 to 67 low yielding and lightweight cows from 32 to 59 the good high yielding packer bulls from 90 to a dollar two the medium yielding from 84 to 89 low yielding and lightweight bulls from 70 to 83 uh calves and yearlings were fully steady to maybe just a tick on a real active market. We had a lot of good quality work ranch.
scratch calves and uh, there was a lot of demand so you know that always makes our job easier so that's good right. day all in all good uh, repeat the amount of buyers and sellers that you had we had 96 buyers that's the most we've ever had and 182 sellers that's good do we know of anything for next week no hopefully we can draw up some business between now and then tell everybody how to get a hold of you madison you can always check us out on facebook or you can call the barn at 512-398-3476 my cell phone at 979-540-9793 or you can ring bubba at 512-461-6091 neighbor i'm larry marble we've been speaking with madison bexley from lockhart livestock on walking the pens a production of the texas farm bureau radio network good day to you see you tomorrow Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs close sharply higher. October hogs up a dollar seventy-seven to finish at eighty-eight seventy-five. The December up a dollar seventeen at eighty-one ninety-five. Class three milk lower. August milk down a nickel fifteen ninety-nine a hundredweight. September milk down three at seventeen thirty-five a hundred. The cotton market closing higher. Nervousness in the market right now over the weather forecast. We're looking at a tropical disturbance in the lower Caribbean. It is expected to move toward Texas over the next several days, and that could endanger the coastal bend and Rio Grande Valley cotton crop. We close with October cotton up 19 points, 95.95 cents. The December up 32 at 94.50. The corn market closed higher. Mexico in the market for U.S. corn this week. They bought 23 million bushels over the last two days. That has helped prices with September corn up six and three quarters, 551 and a quarter. December corn up six and a half, 551 and three quarters. The wheat market lower on both hard and soft wheat. September Kansas City wheat down two and a quarter, 702. New crop July down three cents, 705 and three quarters. Soft wheat in Chicago, September down six and three quarters at seven eleven and a quarter. July Chicago wheat down seven and three quarters at seven twelve and three quarters. Rough rice finished lower, September down two cents, thirteen thirty-five a hundredweight. November soybeans up a penny at thirteen thirty-two and three quarters. September soybean meal down two sixty. 352.30 a ton. In the energy markets, September natural gas was up a penny, 391. October crude oil up 92 cents, 68.46 a barrel. The financial markets slightly higher on Wednesday. The Dow up 53 points at 35,417. The Nasdaq up 31 at 15,050. The S&P up 12, 4,498. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin. See you next time right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.